Hey, my name is Phil, and this is my wife, Meredith, and we are the pastors here at Cornerstone Church. We're so glad that you have connected with us here today and that you're getting ready to listen to a message that we know is going to build a resilient faith in your life. Right now, in this moment and in our days ahead, let's continue declaring Jesus over every situation. Enjoy the message. Well, hello. I'm so glad to be here. My name is Christian. I'm on staff here at Cornerstone. I help lead our youth ministry. I help lead our online church. I help do whatever else, else I can do, skills that I have. I'm just a willing vessel for the Lord to use, I guess. Uh, so every morning I'm in the space to, um, to be upstairs in Studio B and C to help lead our youth ministry. So I haven't actually been here in a minute. I haven't actually been uh, in the service, in a worship service, in quite some time. I'm always up there leading worship with my wife, and she's uh, helping to lead the kids' ministry. She's amazing. Yeah, yeah. You guys are so responsive, and I love it so much. It means so much to me. Um, so I'm excited to be here this morning, and I'm grateful to be speaking in front of, in front of you. Um, let's take a moment and honor our pastors, Phil and Meredith. Come on. They're some of the most genuine, honorable, respectful, respected leaders in our society, in our, in, our, in our place, in our city. And so we just want to take a moment and honor them. And also I want to take a moment and honor my beautiful wife, Sarah. She's amazing. Woo! Amen. Uh, if you're new here, hello. Uh, we are this crazy every time and uh, you're, you're welcome here. And if you're watching online, hello. I'm so glad to be joining and to be here with you. And I'm so glad that you are here with us this morning. I'm excited for today. Uh, how good was Manny last week? Yeah, that was a word. Yeah, I'm really happy for you because now I have to follow him up. Thanks a lot, guys. No, I'm just joking. I was pumped until I heard that he was coming and then I was like, wow, thanks a lot, Meredith for doing that. No, I'm just joking. But uh, I'm excited because I know God has given me a word to speak this morning to the church, okay? All right, let's open up our Bibles to John chapter 1, verse 6. John chapter 1, verse 6. The gospel of John, that is. Yeah, you're good, Kim. Thank you so much. John chapter 1, verse 6 to 8. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light and that all might believe through him. He was not the light. Everybody say, he was not the light. He was not the light. But he came to bear witness to the light. The title of our message today is A Heart of Humility a heart of humility. Let's pray. God, thank you for this space. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for your people. Thank you, God, for the privilege it is to speak to your people. Help me, God, to say and to speak your truth, God. Whatever I say that is not of you, help me and help us to just forget all about it. And God, help me to stay exactly to what you want me to say this morning, not to according to my notes, but according to what you are saying and speaking in this moment. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. All right, you may be seated. So I grew up in this church, and uh, I used to play in the band every Sunday. 
I play guitar, and it's something that I love to do. I do it every day, pretty much, um, and I've been playing for a long time. And there's something about playing guitar that makes you want to be a rock star. There's something about an electric guitar that when you just hit one of those chords, you feel like a rock star. You feel like you embody Slash or another great guitar player that I won't say. But um, every, every amazing rock star, every amazing famous um, musician all start at the basics. They all start at the fundamentals. They all start with the essentials. And this is true for every chef. If you can't make an omelet, you can't open up a restaurant, right? This is true for every NBA player. If you wanna be the GOAT, the greatest of all time, you have to know your fundamentals. You have to know the basics. If you wanna be a great sports player of any sport, of anything, you have to know the basics. If you've ever seen a house being built, every house is built on a foundation. It's built on the fundamental structure every house has. And oftentimes you don't see those fundamental structures because they're down deep in the ground. You see all the beauty, you see all the architecture, you see all the design, you see the interior, but none of that would exist, or at least it couldn't hold up in a storm if there wasn't fundamentals in place, if there wasn't a sense of basics in place. And I don't know about you, but I never leave my house without my phone. I never leave my house without my wallet. In fact, I always do like a one, two, three, like a one, two, you know, like I'm checking every pocket to make sure I got my phone, my wallet, and my keys. And this is what I would call the everyday carry. It's the essentials. It's something that you need to get through the day, to, to get to where you're going, to buy things that you need to buy. Um, it's our everyday essentials, right? And it's the, uh, and, and so there's this word that culture has kind of taken and made it into more of an insult. And that word is basic. That in the Urban Dictionary, the word basic means something that is mainstream, popular, something that everybody does. The word basic has kind of become something of an insult. If someone is basic, it means that they're lame, right? I don't wanna be basic. Are you basic? Please don't be basic. This is not a basic church. Um, and I, I'm, I'm a specialty coffee guy. I love to make a pour over. I love the latte art. I love to go to the local coffee shop to get my fancy you know, latte or um, Ethiopia single origin pour over. Come on somebody, praise the Lord for coffee. But I gotta be honest. Every fall that comes around, I go to Starbucks and get me a pumpkin cream cold brew. You know what I'm saying? An iced pumpkin cream cold brew, because it's so good. And you might call me basic for that, and I don't care, because it's tasty, right? It's tasty. Sometimes the basics are not basic, right? If you can get the basics down, the fundamental basics, the essential things down, it makes everything else good. There are basics that we have to master. And the definition of basic for us is fundamentals. It's the core things that we all need in order to do what it is that God has called us to do. Nobody graduates beyond the basics. We just grow deeper into the basics, right? Nobody grows beyond music theory. 
You just grow deeper into music theory. The intricacies, I tried to sound smart, but I didn't. So anyways, all the good stuff, you know what I'm saying? Uh, so uh, we never grow beyond those things. We just grow deeper <clears throat> in the basics. And it's the same with the Christian life. Like I said, I was yelling a lot yesterday, so my voice is feeling parched. Okay, so it's the same with the Christian life. There are certain fundamental basics to being a Christian that we don't grow beyond, such as love, faith, um, hope. Come on, somebody. Yeah, these are things that we don't grow beyond. These are things that we grow deeper in. If you grow beyond love, you're on the wrong team, pal. Like, it's just the truth. Jesus called and said that we would be a people of love. We don't grow beyond that. Your position doesn't determine your ability of humility, right? These are things that we grow into. So this message might come across to some of you who have been sitting in this church for a long time as a little bit basic. And if you're here for the first time today, I would encourage you to lean in. If you are an agnostic and you're questioning and doubting your faith, I would encourage you to lean in. If you are an atheist who, don't, who, who doesn't even believe in God, I would encourage you to lean in because humility is one of the most powerful things that a human can do. The heart of humility speaks to everyone, every background, every ethnicity, every age, every gender. The heart of, the of a humble person speaks louder than what words can do. And I was, I was preparing for this message. I was asking God, what do you want me to say? And it was really one of those great moments where my Bible was open and I was already reading what God had me to say because I was reading the verse and then God gave me the phrase, a heart of humility. So um, this is all going to be about the life of John. John, according to Jesus, was the greatest. His entrance into the world was marked by divine proclamation and divine intervention, just like Jesus. He was the first prophet after 400 years of prophetic silence to speak about Jesus coming. But he was also the last prophet to speak about Jesus coming. Amen? He was the bridge. He was the glue of the Old Testament Hebrew Bible and the New Testament Christian Bible. His message was repentance and righteousness, just like Jesus. However, it was a little bit different because John would say that the kingdom of heaven is near, but Jesus said that the, the kingdom of heaven is what? Here. Exactly. The kingdom of heaven is currently here. John came to bear witness about the light, but John was not the light. He had to come so that we could even receive Jesus. He had to prep our palate so that way we could participate in the glory of God. John was anything but basic. When you live in the desert and you eat locusts for lunch, I'm sorry, my friend, but you are a little crazy. He's that crazy cousin that you kind of try to avoid at Thanksgiving dinner and that you hope he stays away out of town for Christmas, right? He's that cousin that's a little bit crazy. He's eating honey. Now, we like our honey, our organic honey that we find at the, um, you know, the farmer's market, but he was eating locusts and honey, had sticks, he was crazy, he was a wild guy. But here's the thing about John, he knew his assignment. John knew his role. John was humble enough to know that my assignment is not about me. My assignment points to the light, to bear witness to the light. So there's this scene then with John later on in John chapter one, 
Uh, and to be clear, if anyone's new here or they don't understand, I'm saying John many different times, John the Baptist is different than the Gospel of John. John was a disciple of Jesus that wrote about the things that Jesus did, and John is a character inside of John's Gospel. Does that make sense? Lots of Johns, but two Johns in this story. Actually, one John in the story, but John wrote about it. Anyways, John chapter 1, verse 19 to verse 23. John got in a lot of trouble, right? John was pretty radical. He said some wild things. Because imagine 400 years of silence from God. Imagine the wickedness that was coming. Imagine the sinful cultures that were being created. So John is being planted into a sinful society that they can't even, like even the religious people are getting it wrong because it comes so much about themselves, right? John is placed in a space where he's like, y'all need to repent. You guys are crazy with a capital C, right? So here's John. The, the, the Pharisees are coming to test and talk to John. And this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and the Levites from Jerusalem to ask, who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then do you say? Are you Elijah? He said, no, I'm not. So, like, are you the prophet? Come on, like, what do you, give me something here. Like, who are you? And he said, no, I'm not that either. I said, okay, so who are you exactly? We need to give an answer for those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And I wonder what holds you back from humility. Here's John having the opportunity to be like, you know, you think I'm the Christ? All right, I might be the Christ, you know, or something like that. Like, just totally like, like winks, like, yeah, I'm, the, I'm, I'm Jesus. Don't tell anybody, but I'm Jesus. You know, just to get a little bit of prop, but he doesn't. But I wonder what holds you back from humility, that if someone asks about your life and you go a little bit beyond just telling the truth and you kind of brag in your favor, right? And so I wonder why. I wonder what holds you back. I wonder if it's because humility is sometimes humiliating. Humility can feel humiliating. He said, who are you? I wonder if anybody's asked you that question. Who are you? Not in a way to get to know you. Who are you? Tell me about yourself. What are you up to? How are you today? What, what makes you happy? You know, nothing like that. But who are you? What do you do? What's your job? Who do you vote for? I want to know something about you so that I can use it against you later on. Because humility is tempting, right? Humility is humiliating. And I wonder if one of the reasons why we don't do it is because we are fearful of being misunderstood. John had, there's so much opportunity for misunderstandings um, to happen in this particular scripture. They're asking all these questions. So who are you? So what do you do? So, what, so I wonder if we don't uh, humble ourselves because it's humiliating and because we have a fear of being misunderstood. I talk to a lot of young adults and youth and one of our, their biggest fears that I hear all the time is they don't wanna be misunderstood. Um, John was overlooked. Nobody asked, are you John the Baptist that we've been hearing about for the past 400 years? Are you John? The John? Oh my gosh, John, it's so good to see you. I'm so glad that you're here today. No, 
Are you the prophet? Are you the Christ? Are you Elijah? Are you anybody that I'm familiar with? Oh, you're John? Uh, all right. So I wonder if that's ever happened to you, though, before, where people expect you to be something that you're not. And so you kind of convince yourself that you can do something that you weren't called to do in the first place, and you're in the wrong space that God has never called you to do, and so you're confused and frustrated, and you're trying to figure it out, but you're just like, I'm not that person, and I'm sorry, and I've got to break away from that shell. Come on, if you can relate to that, it's time for you to call yourself to humility and say, I am not that person that you think I am. I am who God said that I am, and I'm going to be true and faithful to what God has called me to do. Another reason that we don't humble ourselves often is I think it's because humility comes at a cost. Humility comes at the cost of our ego. Humility comes at the cost of our reputation. Humility comes at the cost of our status, our position. We don't get the last word. Come on, who loves saying the last word? It's the best part of every show. They get the last word. I love to say the last word, but humility says, no, I'm gonna let you just walk out of the room. I'm just gonna take myself out of this space and I'm gonna give you the space and the place to just let it be. And I'm gonna let my humility speak for itself. And lastly, I wonder what John was thinking when the prophet said, so who, what do you say about yourself? What do you say about yourself? Who are you? And I wonder, if we're a little boastful on our bios, you know? On our different apps that we use, on our Be Reels or our Instagrams, that when we think about ourselves, we boast ourselves in a certain way that it's not actual reality. It's got a filter on it. It's a highlight reel. It's the best part about our week. And we want people to know that, but not the worst part. John continues talking in John chapter one, verse 25 to 28. He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. I am the voice of the one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said, Isaiah. They asked him, then why are you baptizing if you are neither the Christ nor Elijah or the prophet? Man, the, these people are so annoying. Just like, just stop, bro, just chill. Take a chill pill. Um, John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. Imagine being alive and Jesus can walk right past you and bump into shoulders with you. And you don't even know that that is the Messiah that is about to go to the cross to die for my sins so that way I can have peace with God the Father. Imagine being alive when Jesus was alive and not even knowing that that is God in the flesh, walking among us. And that's what John's saying. He says, he is here, but you don't even know. And his shoes, his sandals, his dirty feet, I'm not even worthy to get on my knees and untie them. You see, John knew his position. John knew his role. And this teaches me that humility has a voice. Humility has a voice. Humility speaks. Our voice is valuable. I know this every time I go to a restaurant and I check the Yelp app. I love seeing the reviews. Use your voice. Are the reviews good? Is the space a good place? Should I spend my money here or should I go over there? I love that people have a space to share their voice. 
to comment on YouTube, all of that stuff. And I'm happy that we're living in an age where different minority groups are having a voice, that people that were lower are being raised up, that people are having a voice to speak. Because when, you don't, when you're voiceless, it's terrifying. Because you feel like nobody sees you, nobody knows you. But God hears you. And I wonder, what would happen if we gave God our voice, right? I wonder, because I believe that God is looking for a generation of people, a generation of somebodies who are willing to be the voice of God, who are willing to speak on behalf of God, who are willing to go into the grocery stores, who are willing and not afraid of awkwardness, who are willing to speak the truth to their family, who are willing to pray for the people in need, who are willing to serve their, their, their people and their country, who are willing to serve and to love those who are weak and down and out. And I wonder if God can use you this morning, if God can use your voice to speak truth in the darkness, if God can use your voice, because Isaiah said that I'm not even using my voice. I'm quoting Isaiah. I'm quoting Isaiah. He said that somebody is coming to make straight the path for the Lord to move. And I want God to use me this morning. Do you want God to use you this morning? Or are you too distracted with your phone, too busy surfing the internet that you can't get yourself focused enough on what the kingdom of God wants? That you are too distracted to do the kingdom work because you are too focused on what you want to do today. That you aren't making a space for God to move in your life. I wonder, can God use your voice to bring about the kingdom of God? Because humility has a purpose. Yes, sir. Humility has a purpose, and that purpose is simple. And it's easier to give a definition of what it does than what humility is. Because if you ever say, I'm the most humble person in the room, well, we all know how that goes. The purpose, are you ready? This is like my thesis. Ready? The purpose of humility is that humility prepares the way for God to move. Humility prepares the way for God to move. Humility, not gifts, not talents, not wisdom, not intellect, humility. John didn't do anything his whole career. John was in the desert. Sure, he became a rabbi and got some disciples around him, but he spent most of his life in the desert and the obscure and the unseen. And I wonder if you feel obscure and unseen this morning. Do you feel overlooked, overshadowed, misunderstood this morning? Do you feel like nobody sees you? That is the space that God is cultivating purpose in your life. That hiddenness, that sacredness, that secret place, that's the space that God is cultivating purpose in your life. And if you ever feel like you don't know what your purpose is, don't go in front of people. Go to the closet. Go to pray. Go to your room. Shut out the lights. Pray to your God who is not seen. Pray to your God who is invisible, and he will reward you, not people. If you're trying to get the praise of people, you're in the wrong mindset. Maybe Christianity isn't for you if you want the praise of people. But if you want the praise of God, if you want the praise of being inside the kingdom, then this is the space for you to humble yourself, 
when no one sees you. Humility prepares the way for God to move. And our conversations at our tables, with our family, where you could escalate the situation. You could bicker back and forth of who's right, who's wrong. Humility says it doesn't matter because I want you more than I want to be right. Humility says that God goes first, not me. Humility says that you go first, not me. I'll lay down my life so that way I can help love you and cherish you. So if humility is so great then, what's the problem? What's the problem? If humility is so awesome and so grand, what's the catch? What's the small print there, you know? Anybody get a really good deal and you're like, man, this is awesome. There is a certain company that sends Sarah and I mail on a regular basis that says you could get so many meals for free if you buy so many more meals. <laughs> you know, it's like, like what? That's, a, that's like, I would do it if it was, you know, if it was right. So what's, what's, what's the problem? Humility. The problem with humility is pride. One word. It's pride. Pride. Pride is the problem. The enemy of humility is pride. Pride is excessive love for one's own excellence. Pride is excessive love for one's own excellence. Satan was cast down from heaven due to his excessive love for his own worship. He was the greatest worship leader. Thank you. I realize now that that was too soon. <laughs> okay, but we're all good. Um, Satan was cast down, right, as a worship leader. Satan was cast down from heaven as a worship leader. He was the best. Nobody worshiped like him. He was the greatest. But he started thinking, man, I do worship pretty good. I do got this sorted out. I do. My, my music skills, my, my pitch, that's perfect pitch. I'm singing pretty good. I never get off time. I'm always on rhythm. I got all these angels around me following me to worship him. Hmm, maybe I might be worthy of worship. And he goes down to hell. Right then and there, that's exactly the moment that pride enters the heart and deceives us that we are worthy of worship. Pride lies to us and says that I am worthy of your adoration. I am worthy of your praise. I am worthy of all the things that I can do for me. Pride is, in the, is the indulgence, right? So we want to be excellent in all that we do, correct? We want to be awesome and that we do and all the, the work that we do it honors the lord if you are working go be your best self go do it unto the lord go praise and honor and worship god do your best work all the time not their best but your best do it to worship god pride comes in when there's an indulgence that says man i am awesome it's the type of pride that makes you feel good because of how good you think you are. Pride seeps into us all the time. So now this ladder makes sense. Who doesn't love a good ladder? Give it up for the ladder. Ladders, man, I tell you what. We couldn't hang anything. Our Christmas tree, 
would have no purpose without a ladder. Okay, so here's an illustration of what pride looks like, and it helps me. Maybe it'll help you. I got this illustration from a pastor. Um, his name is Erwin McManus. So in all humility, this is not my illustration. This is not my wisdom, but I am, he just kind of like said it like in a sentence, and I was like, dude, that is so deep. I'm gonna use that, and so uh, I feel like I have to cite my work, and so this is from him, but it helps me, and I hope that it helps you. So, this is what pride looks like. Pride looks like I'm walking through my life, and I do a really good job, and people start praising me, and I work really hard at the office. I work really hard on a project that God has given me, and I'm like, man, I'm so pumped about this. I'm grateful for this moment. I'm awesome. I, you know, I'm awesome. You know, I, I'm worthy of attention. And you start climbing the ladder, right? I wonder how many jobs that we have where we have to start climbing the ladder to get success. You know, I wonder how many jobs that we have where we have to start proving ourselves through performance on how amazing that we are. And so we start saying, like, I am. People are starting to notice my work. People are starting to see me. Man, I am worthy of praise. I got a job, and I don't have to worry about the economy because I've got job security. Therefore, I am safe because of what I did, because of my faithfulness. Climbing the ladder, right? Pride starts to climb in our hearts, slowly but surely. You never go from the ground to the top. But pride starts to say, man, you know, I did do all that. I am. I am pretty awesome. It's, uh, you know, they're good, but everybody's looking at me. I'm worthy of this position. I'm worthy of this performance. I'm worthy of this status. I can do it. I can do all things through Christian who gives Christian strength. Amen? Come on, somebody. And that's when pride starts climbing the ladder. Amen? Somebody pray for me that I don't fall. But notice, but notice my position. Notice my position, my perspective. I'm looking down on everybody here. Pride has a way of boosting yourself. Pride has a way of saying that I am awesome and you are not. I can't hear the words of the people around me because I'm too high up in the sky, because I'm too high up on myself, because I'm the, I'm the dealer and the seller. You know, I can do it, I, and I do my own drugs, and I said, I don't know, I'm trying to figure it out. So this is another way that the Lord humbles me. <laughs> I don't get words right. Their words be hard, but I'm up here on this ladder, and I can feel a sense of hierarchy. I can feel a sense of, man, I've climbed this ladder. I deserve to be here. But also notice my vulnerability. That if something comes along and knocks me down, I'm hitting that ground harder, faster, because gravity works, baby. Gravity is real. Gravity is not, doesn't care about how much money you make. Gravity don't care about where you're from, how many people you know. Gravity's gonna, you're gonna hit it. You're gonna hit the ground. And that's why the Bible said that pride comes before the fall. Come on, somebody. Pride comes before the fall. So if I'm on this ladder, the thing that's holding me up is my accomplishments. So if I fail, I start to get a little shaky. If I lose and miss out on a deal, I start to, get, I start to lose it, right? I start to get a little vulnerable. So how do we get off the ladder? How do we get down? Because you don't have to fall. Because the Bible says that you can humble yourself. 
The Bible says that you can take a moment and humble yourself and, and lower your status and lower your heart posture and say, you know what, I'm not in control, but God is. But God's in control. I can't do it, but God can. That's what Joseph said to Pharaoh, who can interpret this dream. I can't, but God can. So what do we do? We start taking a step down with gratitude, with humility, and we start saying, God, you are in control. Everything that I have is a gift from you. You are the one that I worship. You have all power, and everything I am is from you. God, I humble myself today. God, I can't keep this job if you don't keep me sane. God, I can't keep my, my mind right if you don't keep me sane. God, I can't drive straight if these people on the road. God, I need your help. God, I need you. God, I want you. God, let me humble myself. God, let me say that you are greater. God, you increase and I must decrease to my knees and I must say that God, you are holy. God, I throw up my hands and I say hallelujah again and again and I say, God, I give you all that I have. God, I lay my life down to you and I surrender all. And God, I lay my life on the altar. God, that you can use me any way that you see fit, that I'm gonna keep my perspective on heaven, on the kingdom of God, that I'm gonna look up and I'm gonna keep my eyes focused and not be distracted by the people next to me, but be focused on what God has for me. And I lay my life at the altar of Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody, give God some praise this morning. Come on, somebody. Lay your life down before the king. Lay your life down before the king. And I know this. I know this, unfortunately, from experience. <sighs> I got a story to tell. <laughs> and it's one that's humbling. And it's one that feels a little humiliating. It's one where I feel a little misunderstood, overlooked, unseen. It's one where I feel a certain kind of way, but God has taught me something through it. And as I was prepping with Sarah last night, I've been debating, should I share this story or not? And we both agreed that maybe it's the right time to share the story. So my beautiful wife, y'all gotta watch my words carefully. Somebody pray for me. My beautiful, amazing wife just got promoted to next-gen leader. Come on. Love on her. She is amazing. She is amazing. But I'm the youth leader, okay? I'm the youth leader. That's who I am. I'm the youth leader. I lead people. I don't need no directing. You understand where I'm going with this? <laughs> The tension gets a little bit tense. So, um, so full transparency, I'm super pumped. I believed in my heart from the very get-go that she's the right person for the job. She's the right person for the space. She is qualified, she is capable, she is able. She has the ability to lead people greater than I've ever seen. She has the ability to speak life in people greater than I've ever seen. And she has a way with people that I do not. So I honor and respect her position and her place and the calling that God has on her life. But I got a little distracted for a season. I got a little distracted for a couple of moments, and I got to be honest with you, it wasn't that pretty. I was smiling, but I was angry. 
I was mad, I was sad, I was upset, I was hurt, I was offended. For, for reasons that are of my own, right? For narratives that I'm playing out in my own head. Thinking that, well, if she's elevated, then what does that make me? If she is the leader, where does that put me? Where's my place? Where, where's my calling? What, what do I do with what God's called me to do? And so I'm in this process, and I wonder if you have ever been in this process where God is asking you, what are you focused on? Are you focused on the position, or are you focused on giving me praise? Because God has got a calling for you specifically this morning. Not to them, but to you. So that was a, so I found myself in my room. All, like, have you ever been in knots, man, where your heart and your soul is in knots? Am I the only one? Where you just feel, fr and you, your inner voice, your inner voice is going back and forth, fighting imaginary enemies. You're reciting stories over and 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 over. Well, if he said, well, if I said, well, you know, you're doing things over and over and over and over again, and you're just getting mad. And that person's not doing anything. He's not, that person's not thinking about you. You know, the person that you're wrestling with. But you're getting upset, and you're telling these stories over and over and over again. And God took me through a lesson one night. Because a month earlier... I was in my car, and I was worshiping, and I felt the presence of God in my car. Grateful that we have a God that can, like, that can show up in your car, that can show up in your room, that can show up on the road, that can show up in church, that can show up at a concert, that can show up in the movies. I'm grateful for a God who speaks on a regular basis. And, and I was in my car, and I said, God, you can use me in any way that you want to use me. Crying. God, keep my heart pure. God, keep my heart clean. God, I love you. I love you. I love you. And then this happens, and then I'm in my room alone, and God says, but did you mean it? But did you really mean it? Because what you're focused on, the way you're living your life right now, doesn't look like you mean that I can use you however I want you to be used, right? The way you're living your life really kind of looks like you're a Christian atheist which says, God I, give you, sir, God, I give you all glory, but I live my life the way I want to. I do things the way I want to do them. And sometimes that's what happens in our Christian life, is that we're focused on our priorities, our positions, our praise, that we lose sight of, the, we lose sight of God. And God humbled me that night, and I humbled myself that night. Listening to some Stephanie Gretzinger, you know, come on YouTube, some worship playlist. Yeah, get the worship in the room, you know? You're saying, God, there's something not right in my heart. My heart feels sick. My heart feels disconnected, far from you. Help me, God. Help me to humble myself. And there's something that she said that has stuck with me, Stephanie Gretzinger, that is, that stuck with me. She said, when you're living your life on the altar, you're not worried about what anybody else is doing. You're not worried about what they're doing. Their gifts are not hindrances to you. Their abilities are not a problem for you. Because if it's all for God, your gifts can bless God. And that means my gift can bless God too, right? 
So that helped me to know that I don't need to live my life on the altar of success, of position, of status, of ego. I can live my life on the altar of God. So my question is to you, are you living your life on the altar before God saying, God, you can use me any way you want to use me. I give you my body. I give you my voice. I give you my mind. I give you my heart. I give you my feet. That everywhere that you might cause me, I would be an absolute example of your manifest presence in this Kroger, in this church, in this car, in this conversation, in this coffee shop, that you would use my whole body that you value my body my physical body enough to say that I will do with you if you are willing I can do anything with you in Jesus name okay so if you struggle with this you're not alone if you struggle you're not alone David was small in stature but Saul was mighty in stature we all know how that story goes Joseph was asked to interpret dreams I can't, but God can. Isaiah humbled himself before the Lord, praying that God would send him to be used by him. And John, in humility, prepared the way for the Lord to move. And Jesus came, and he is the ultimate expression and example of a humble servant heart. We're gonna read this scripture really fast. Um, I'm gonna read the whole scripture. Uh, go to Philippians chapter two, and I'm gonna end. Um, hold off on the music though. Okay. Ready? Philippians chapter 2. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love and being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interests of others. Let's keep reading. Have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with him, with God to be a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. God took the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of you and me. And being found in human form, he humbled himself he lowered himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even one as humiliating, but on display as the cross. Those are my words. It's the KV version edition. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. Come on. So that the name of Jesus would, that everybody would bow at the name of Jesus and every tongue should know that in heaven and on earth and under the earth that every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So what is a heart of humility? You can play. Thank you. What is the heart of humility? The heart of humility 
counts others more significant than yourself. It celebrates that person who got the promotion that you felt you deserved. It, humility celebrates the person that gets the credit that you feel you deserve. A heart of humility thinks of others before you think of yourself. Self-care is good, people. Self-care is a good thing. But don't let it turn you into a narcissist. Don't let your self-care, your self-absorbency, become an inward expression of pride that says, it's me first all the time. And if you extend me, I'm out. That's in service to God, in service to your people, your neighbors, that let us live in a life, let us live in a way where we live in humility and prefer other people first. Prefer other people before you prefer yourself. That gives up your preference. And I had to learn this the hard way because I like food and I wanna eat the food that I wanna eat. But sometimes Sarah craves something different and uh, I have to humble myself. It's really hard, guys, pray for me. Rick Warren said this, it's probably the best way to sum it up. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but it's thinking of yourself le less. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. When we stumble and fall, when we feel pride coming in our heart, and it's easier to recognize in somebody else than yourself, but when we feel pride and we feel that discomfort coming, remember that we have a savior who went to the cross Although it was not his preference, he asked God, can I please not do this? But if it's your will, let your will be done. Jesus did that so that we can have grace in the moments when we don't want to do what we have to do, when we don't want to do the thing that we would prefer not to do, when we don't want to do the thing that is hard. But in God's grace, we can do hard things. We can do the difficult task. We can complete and we can serve the body of Christ. We can serve the church by volunteering. We can do those things because I'm not doing it in my strength. I'm doing it in His grace and His faithfulness that He did for me, that I did not deserve, that I could not earn. But by the blood of God, if it had not been for Him on the cross, on Calvary, to save my soul, to save my body, to save my mind, to save my feet and to renew my mind, that I would not be able to serve the people in my own strength. But God somehow made a way for uh, for us to move, that humility made a way for God to move through you and through me today. So we have a Savior. Be like John this morning. Point to Jesus. Point to Him. In Jesus' name, let's stand. Let's pray. God, help us. Help us to remember that the basics are not basic. That we never outgrow humility. We never outgrow love. We never outgrow faith. We never outgrow hope. But help us to grow deeper in these things by your grace and by your blood through the cross. Help us to grow deeper in this space because humility prepares a place for God to move. So God, we ask that you move in this space, move in our hearts, move in every area and every part of our life, God, and help us to live a life laid down in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Thank you, guys. Thank you.